Hello, welcome back to another episode of Monday Morning Boilers. I'm Connor, joined as always by Chris. Chris, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into it this weekend. A bit of a letdown compared to last week's episode. Not quite the emotional high riding in after Purdue um, drops a disappointing game on the road in East Lansing. They lose to the Spartans in a pretty interesting fashion. I think it was uh, 23 to 13. That doesn't even really feel like that score was as is indicative of the game. It you know, Purdue really wasn't able to do much. But let's just go ahead and jump right into it. You know, I think that it was I think it was a letdown after last week after demolishing Ohio State. It really just felt like Michigan State came out much more physical, and Purdue was just never able to rise to that challenge. Um, I think it was a missed opportunity. You know, um, they had they had a chance. They had a chance to win the game. There mm-hmm. was um, <clears throat> a couple pivotal moments um, where they didn't capitalize or they made mistakes. And David Blau was not great in the beginning. I thought he responded in the second half and was actually fairly decent. They yeah. really struggled in the beginning, and they got themselves in a little bit of a hole. They didn't take advantage of some things early in the game. And, um, you know, it just came down to it came down to what we talked about last week, and that's the team that takes care of the ball best is going to win. We had three interceptions. You know, we just we didn't take care of the ball. We turned it over. And we didn't take advantage of uh, – we didn't take advantage of some things. You know, a blocked field goal, which we didn't even really realize is a live ball. Um, you know, yeah, we just, I, you know, we, 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 we get a turnover and we make a huge pass play and we're on the two and we come away with a field goal, you know, um, you know, Pittman at the end of the half gets a penalty that takes us out of field goal range that, I mean, I think Evans could have hit the field goal. Yeah. Pittman jump, jumps and backs him up. And now it becomes a very difficult field goal to make and, we just had some miscues that were that, that were punitive. Well, and I think that it it was uncharacter. It well, it was it looked a lot like the beginning of the year. You know, a lot of mental mistakes. Uh, the offense just never found a rhythm. They couldn't run the ball. And now, granted, Michigan State's one of the best run defenses in the country. But you're talking about a Purdue team that ran the ball, especially in the second half, really, really well against Ohio State. And you take away DJ Knox's 36 yard run. I mean, they had like 30 yards rushing as a team on 12 carries. I mean, it's just, they could not move the ball on the ground. I think you were spot on with the Blau struggled early. He missed some throws that he doesn't normally miss. And he just looked like he was never fully certain of what he was seeing in front of him. And, and then, you know, the two possessions that really stick out in my mind, the one where they're able to go down the field and Bryson Hopkins gets lit up and fumble or doesn't fumble the football. Ball bounces off his knee and, and Michigan State picks it up, scoops it up for an interception is what they called it. I mean, I guess it could have been a fumble. And then the blocked field goal, too. You know, there's 10 potential points right there that could have been the, the difference in the game. Yeah, I mean, it's 6-3 to three in the first quarter. We get the ball at the 50. Blau gets a penalty that backs us up, I think, 10 yards. And then we just go nowhere from there. 
I mean, we could have, that was an opportunity to go ahead in the game early, kind of set the tone. And now all of a sudden, Rocky Lombardi, who ended up looking pretty decent, actually, for a guy getting his first real meaningful minutes. You yeah. know, Rocky Lombardi's playing a little bit differently because he's playing from behind. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make some things happen. And, you know, we just didn't capitalize on stuff, Connor. And we made some mistakes. I, I think it's just back to that old Dennis Green thing. You know, they are exactly who we thought they were. I mean, (laughs) Purdue is who we thought they were. They're a team whose defensive backs really aren't very good. Yeah. And they got, they got picked on by a guy that's a freshman who made no mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we had inconsistent quarterback play. And, you know, David Lyle's been awesome during this stretch. Uh, he was not awesome last night or yesterday. He, he just, he was very, very regular. And I, he wasn't bad in the second half. <clears throat> he wasn't very good at all. He got off to a four, four and 11 start with a pick. Yeah. Is how he started the game. That's not stellar play. Well, and that's not, that's not what they need. He looked like the old David Blau. He looked like the guy that we had seen for the first three years of his career, you know, where he's trying to make too many plays. Uh, he was inaccurate. His footwork seemed off. Yep. He, and it was really the first time this year since he's taken the job over full time that you just when he was dropping back to pass, I was holding my breath because I just didn't <clears throat> didn't have a feel that he saw that he knew what he was seeing and he felt comfortable. I can't disagree with you on that. He didn't look very good. Well, and I think so, that <clears throat> it was a winnable game. We had a chance to win it. You know, we had a chance to we had a chance to win it at the end. He threw a pick. Yeah. I mean, I think, he, as poorly as we played. On the road against the pro- former number 24 ranked team in the country. Chance well, to think, win it. I think that that is a, a great transition into a, a kind of a larger point that you and I had talked about before we started recording that, you know, if you tell any Purdue fan before the season starts or even after the Eastern you know, the Missouri game, you're four and four after you play Michigan State. I think everybody feels pretty good about that. You know, you, you that's where most people coming into the season were predicting that the offense, that the team would be. They'd be about, they'd be at 500 with the chance that if they close out strong in November, they would have a chance to go to a second bowl game. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Hey, credit to Michigan State and, you know, their coaching staff because what they did from a game plan standpoint with the with the Lombardi kid was really pretty smart you know and I'm a basketball guy so I have a layman's understanding of football but I do understand some things you know mm-hmm. they really took advantage of the fact that we roll Thinneman down and really play him kind of as a quasi linebacker yeah so they did a nice job of booting the Lombardi kid out which means then that uh, the safety's really not going to help over the top on the receivers yeah. because he's got some run coverage responsibilities, right? Mm-hmm. So that put Kenny and Antonio out there on an island a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, Antonio is playing a 10-yard gap cushion almost every single down. Yeah. And, you know, there's some pretty pretty quality guys there at the receiver spot for Michigan State, and they got open. Lombardi made throws. Kid made throws. He well, that's pretty good. I think that's the most frustrating thing as a Purdue fan, But and, and I'm going to talk about my thoughts on 
on kind of the strategy, especially defensively here in a second. But it really, like you talked about, it felt like Michigan State was moving Lombardi away from the blitz or they were identifying the blitz pre-snap, throwing a hot route to wherever the blitz was coming from and saying, our guy is better than your guy and we will get six yards here because you can't stop us. Whether it turns it turns out they're right, or it's you know even if they, yeah, right, and it worked. Yeah, yeah, and it and they they stubbed their toe a couple times. You know, really, they they should have been able to put more pressure on Purdue early. It wasn't yes. until the it wasn't until the jet sweep there at the end where the freshman cut it back across the grain. Yeah, that the defense really broke. I thought the defense did a pretty good job of being formidable. But I do think that it's important that people realize that there are still some foundational issues talent-wise with Purdue that the coaching staff and the guys that are on the roster have done a great job of trying to level the playing field. But the truth is is there are three former walk-ons who play a lot of snaps in the secondary, and it shows at times. And those guys have worked their tails off. They're a great story. It's awesome to have them on the roster and have them playing. But there's a reason that they were former walk-ons. They just can't, they they just can't physically at that position. You need guys that athletically can compete with the wide receivers that are that you're going to see week in and week out. Can't argue with any of that, you know. And I'm sure they're all great kids and stuff, and you know, good citizens and represent the university well. But mm-hmm. I mean, think about a fifth-year guy like Tim Kaysen. You know, and this is an indictment of the previous program. You know, we're not super talented in that defensive backfield, and a fifth-year senior can't even find the field. Yeah. I mean, so that's what they're dealing with, and don't, there's only one way to correct that. It's through recruiting. Mm-hmm. That's going to take two to three years. Yeah. They've made a heck of a jump start on it, um, but it, it reared its head a little bit this mm-hmm. weekend. It, it really did. And I thought, and and so this goes to the, I saw on Twitter especially, as I was following along during the game, watching the game, a lot of people, a lot of Purdue fans questioning, why the 10-yard gap? Why the 10-yard gap? Why the 10-yard gap? Well, the reason Because they're going to get beat over the top for a touchdown. Right. And you saw that, that Michigan State took a couple shots deep and did not connect. But Only because were, Rocky Lombardi missed on the throw. The right. dude was wide open. open. Guys yeah. were wide open. And they... That is why they have to 10-yard gap because Coach Holt, Coach Jackson, that entire coaching staff knows that the, their best bet defensively is we're going to give you the six yards, six yards, six yards, and then we can hold you in the red zone. That's exactly what they did to Ohio State. Ohio State they're, didn't score in the red zone. They're Michigan schematic. They're schematic. They're schematic or whatever. Their approach to this thing yeah. is absolutely dead on. My God, if they played press coverage on the line, They'd get torched. They'd, they'd take the top off that defense and beat in the end zone about every other series. Yeah. No, they're they're doing what they can with the limitations of the of the players they've got. And that's not to say that those players are bad people. I'm not implying that at all. They're probably great people. But they're no. not they're not Big Ten elite caliber um, defensive backs. And the fact that we've been able to do anything is a testament, A, to their hard work, okay, and B, to the coaches putting them in positions to be successful. No, I agree 100%. 
Well, it's starting Eric Barnes' little, you know, programs in the Big Ten are rush right. Not ones that are in the for a whole game, you know, like Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska. And they're going to be going you know, three, four games. You know, Purdue's still playing a lot of young guys. And on. It was a good reminder for people that even though that's played in the college, they still don't have a game breaker outside of Rondell. And I thought that Michigan State did a really good job of taking Rondell away across the middle of the field and saying, you don't have anybody else that can beat us on the outside. And Zico wasn't able to do it. Terry Wright wasn't able to do it. Jared Sparks wasn't able to do it. Bryson Hopkins wasn't able to do it. Cole Herdman wasn't able to do it. And that goes back to the recruiting thing. You just you've got to continue to bring game breaking talent in. And I think that the coaching staff can do that, but it is going to take time, like you said. Yeah, you're right. David Bell needs to come here. Yes. Yeah. A guy like David Bell, his value is could be the difference between a win and a loss lap. In this week's game, right? We're like, yeah, yeah. Ron, Rondell's being bracketed, and now we're gonna have David Bell one on one, and we're gonna we're gonna beat you consistently. And they just weren't able to do that passing the ball, and they weren't able to run the ball well enough to to open up some of the stuff with the play action game that they've been able to do all season. And that is a credit to Michigan State. You know, Coach D'Antonio and his staff did a really nice job of taking away the big plays that Purdue's lived on in this season, or at least this winning streak. So the end assessment would be the more physically gifted team that made the fewer mistakes won the game. Yes. At home. At home. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I know. Crazy. But once again, Purdue fans, there's really no reason to panic. They're in a great spot, 4-4. Four and four. You know, they're still pretty healthy right now. You get some guys – banged up, but everybody's banged up in November. They're going to get Iowa this week. Iowa's a team that kind of goes back and forth on how good offensively they're going to be. And last year, this was when the team got hot. You know, they got real hot last year in November and made the run right. to get to six wins. Right. I think we beat Minnesota and beat IU to be bowl eligible. I was icing on the cake next weekend. If we can get them, great. But I don't think that's a do or die scenario. Yeah, I think that I think still think that Wisconsin and Iowa are, are very winnable games. I think Wisconsin more so, just simply because Nate Stanley is a better quarterback than Hornybrook, and I think Hornybrook can lose games if you can take away the run. And Purdue's been able to do that against almost everyone this year. Nobody. They've, teams have struggled to run the ball against Purdue. Well, you've been very clear about your contempt for Mr. Hornibrook. So I think Wisconsin's a little tougher opponent than what you think, but we'll see. I'm not I'm not saying they're not tough. I'm saying that they're a team that's one-dimensional. And if you can take away that one dimension, I don't trust Alex Hornibrook to win a football game for him. I hope you're right. But I, at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter that much because I think we're going to beat Minnesota and IU. Yeah. We're going to get six wins after an 0-3 start, and uh, everybody will be as, just as happy as can be. So, Yeah, six. I mean, 
six wins with a team that had so much inexperience on defense didn't really have didn't have any answers at wide receiver as far as established playmakers coming into the year. I mean, everybody there's a lot of hype about Rondell. Everyone kind of hoped that Terry Wright, Jared Sparks, and and Zico would take a step forward. One of those guys has. Yeah, I Zico's been that. Zico's been great. Yeah, especially other two, those other those other two cats are non-existent, man. And the I mean, I know Terry Wright. Terry Wright scores touchdown day on the on the jet sweep, but I mean, he, he and Sparks haven't done anything really. And I think that that's that was also kind of one of the other issues is that if you can take away Rondell and the tight ends in the middle of the field, and you can yeah. you can body up Zico, they don't have. It's like last year. Last year, they, I mean, Mahungu came on late to be the playmaker for him. But yeah. they, just, they didn't have two guys that could, could go routinely beat their matchups on the outside, and I still think that they're searching for that. Agreed. All right, let's move forward yeah. then. Yeah, so we'll talk, you know, talking about Iowa. Iowa is a team that is kind of having a, a little bit of a different season than a typical typical Iowa Team, I think a lot of people nationally view Iowa as a very conservative, run-heavy. You know, we'll we'll punt the ball from inside our own fifty if we don't feel like we can kick a field goal type team. But this year they're going for it a lot more on fourth down. They're allowing Nate Stanley to throw the ball more. Uh, they're still trying to find some identity in the running game. Defensively, they're still really, really, really tough. And I would be willing to bet that the guys that are on that team remember last year. Purdue walking in there and, and grabbing a victory in Iowa City, and they're going to come ready to play against Purdue here in, on Saturday. So what do you think the keys are for the Boilers to, to beat Iowa? Well, I think that Purdue has to find a way to respond physically. I, you and I kind of disagreed on the offensive line play from, last, or from the game against Michigan State. I felt like the O-line didn't do much. You felt like it was they were okay. I still think that it's just it's I you you got you're gonna be challenged physically. Iowa's gonna be a lot like a Michigan State team where they're gonna play physical. They're gonna be they're gonna beat up Purdue, especially at wide receiver. They're gonna press. They're gonna try to be aggressive. And I think that Purdue's gonna have to find a way to respond. I think some of that will be game planning and the coaching staff doing things with motion and misdirection, trying to get some favorable matchups. But I think a lot of it is guys gotta you just gotta come to play. It's Big Ten football. You know, it's not high school anymore. You're not the most athletic guy on the field. You need guys like Isaac Zico, Terry Wright, Jared Sparks. Those dudes got to show up and come to catch the ball and be ready to play and help open things up for Rondell. So what are your three keys? Well, you got to take care of the ball. I think that's the number one thing that, you know, you can't have the fumbles and the interceptions, the turnovers. Uh, defensively, they have to find a way to generate some pressure. I'm not. They got to what Lombardi maybe one time. Yeah, maybe once. They did a nice. They've done a nice job this year of blitzing and, and bringing pressure against opposing quarterbacks. But Stanley's a good player. He's a good pocket passer. They have to find a way to rush him and make him uncomfortable. And then I think the other thing is special teams has got to be better. They got to be better in the kick return coverage, and they got they got to find something in field goal range. I'm not going to put the blame on the missed 57-yard field goal on Spencer Evans, 
The block fifty-seven yard. It's a fifty-seven yard field goal. Come that on. he had enough leg for, by the way. Yeah, but it should have been should have been forty-seven, but we got a penalty. Sure. The, I think the block field goal is more on him. I think he was. I think he was late getting to the ball, and it that split second was enough to get the ball blocked. I'm not a special okay. teams coach, so that's just me speculating. But the kicking game's been pretty shaky all year, and I think they got to get that figured out. Okay, so that's your keys, huh? What do you think? What are your keys? Well, I'm with you on the pressure on Iowa's quarterback. I think we've got to figure out a way to to get pressure on Stanley. And um, I think that's important for two reasons. One, it makes him make decisions quickly. But the second thing is, is it does not force Kenny Major and Antonio Blackman to have to try and defend one on one for long periods of time. <clears throat> So I think we got to we got to manufacture pressure on him. I'm with you on the uh, ball security thing, but I really think that that really comes down to this: David Blau's got to be better, and that's just an, that's just an edge. You can't have three picks. Uh, you can't have the missed passes. Uh, you can't go three and out because you're missing open guys and making bad reads. And he did all of that yesterday. So yeah. Blau's got to be better. And then I think the third key is the running game has to get established early. We need DJ and Markel to get it going and be a uh, point of focus and emphasis for the Iowa defense early in the game because then that allows David Blau to be better, to be honest with you. So those are the three keys in my mind. If we do those three things, I think we we have a very good chance of winning the game. I agree with you wholeheartedly. All right, so it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode for football this week. We've actually got kind of a special big week coming up here. Uh, We're going to end the football podcast here, but we have our 2018-2019 basketball preview that's going to be dropping this week as well. Look for the guards um, preview, really just focusing on the guard play to be coming along with this Michigan State recap, and then you're going to see the big man slash forward position group uh, preview drop here sometime later in the week before Thursday's exhibition for basketball. So once again, be sure to stay tuned, continue to to like and subscribe to our, our, our podcast. We certainly appreciate everybody who's out there listening. Thank you for your continued support. Get, all four of you, all four of you are the best ever. Love as you. As always. Yeah. As always, mom, thank you for continuing to, uh, to listen. Um, and my roommates as well. I've got I've got my roommates who are who are listening to the podcast pretty frequently too. I think that that's all six people that are that are listening. Well, you know they got it figured out. The rest of the world will catch up in time. But as always, boiler up and hammer down. <laughs>